What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com NFL Strategy Show. It's Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. We're here to talk a little bit of pigskin for a three-game slate on, not Turkey Day, but Thanksgiving. I'm Dave Lockman with me, as they are every single Wednesday. Going to mix it up a little bit today, but, you know, similar approach. Matt Gajeski, follow the man on Twitter, at Matt underscore Gajeski. Kyle Dvorak. At Kyle tweets here, and myself, of course, at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Matt, what's cracking, brother? I am so excited for Thanksgiving. There's a yearly tradition in my solo household on Thanksgiving. Not watch football? No, that is not it. it. Is I watch a lot of football on Thanksgiving. It is me playing way over my head in bankroll and having my worst ROI of any day <laughs> of the entire year. It is a yearly tradition like no other on Thanksgiving. You know, Kyle, we talked about this on yesterday's show, Ben Rasa, Sal Vetri, myself, that um, it's always the best feeling locking those lineups in and you know, just feeling good about it. I always travel to my uh, my wife's aunt's house, and she's like an hour plus away. So I get my lineups in by 10.30 or so, 11, and then we leave around 11.30. And then by the time I get to the house, my lineups are, generally speaking, probably dead already yeah as soon as matt was like playing way over over my bankroll expectations i was like ah feel that brother because i'm looking at this slate and i'm like i've got it figured out i can you know i can just lock button every contest i see and uh, i've had decent thanksgiving slates but yeah there definitely is this feeling of like uh well one at this point in the season we have a lot of like the more casual players weeded out i think a lot of them probably come back in on this slate because it's such like a tradition to be watching football all day so people are probably firing up lineups and, uh, you know, hopefully I can take their money, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It definitely feels like with the like concentration on this slate, I'm going to know in about 20 minutes where I stand. Yep. Pretty much. Now the injuries are, are pretty significant here. That's something that I think we got to spend a decent amount of time on today. We're going to talk about ownership. We have ownership over at awesome.com. That's huge for a slate like this. And I'll tell you right out of the gate. I will, there is some chalk that I will be eating and I'll do it proudly. Uh, we'll talk about stacks and then get into some of the bigger injuries, some of the bigger concerns throughout this slate and how to approach them. But before we jump into that, we're happy to have all of you guys with us. Hammer that thumbs up. Hammer that thumbs up as you get in here. But more importantly, help us get the 50,000 subscribers. It's good for us. It's good for you. If you like what we do here, if you think what we do helps you, hit that subscribe button. We're just north of 42,000, thanks to all of you. It's going to be tough to get there by the end of year, but we're making the push. So uh, if you like the shows, the content, all of this stuff, 
Well, the easiest way to support us and help yourself as well is hit that subscribe button. All right, guys, let's jump into it. Kyle, we'll kick it off with the quarterback position. And we don't need to go crazy uh, structured here, crazy position by position stuff. But ownership is really high on Deshaun Watson. And most Wednesday shows, we don't do quarterbacks till the end because that's where we cover stacks. But because it's only three games, I think it's important that we get this out of the way first. Deshaun Watson's uh, ownership is going to come in as the highest on the slate at his position. It is 46.4%. That's a lot, but it's clearly the best matchup on the slate, and they have the highest total. Where are we going here? Yep, best matchup, highest total. Deshaun Watson has the just best points per dollar value on the slate. And rushing upside. Rushing upside, only one, I think, other quarterback probably has rushing upside, like Deshaun Watson, obviously being Lamar Jackson. I'm probably still going to fade him. Like, if I, if you tell me half the field is playing one player and then they are almost all stacking them with one of two options, that's that's why I'm like, that's why I'm probably going to lose money on Thanksgiving because the most likely outcome on the slate, even when you adjust for Watson's salary, is that he's a great value. He smashes me and I lose money. But in the 10, 15, 20% of times that this Thanksgiving slate is played out, that he doesn't hit, that he goes out and Duke Johnson steals one, he only throws one touchdown, whatever it hap- like however it happens, I- I'm going to be very live. So I- I- when you tell me half the field is doing something on a slate where there are six quarterbacks, it's like people are owning him as if it's a showdown slate. There are other viable options. There are not as – no other options are as good. I won't even try and argue that. It's that there are options that have chances of outscoring him either raw or points per dollar. And uh, I'm going to bet on that happening in terms of my payout is going to be massive if he doesn't hit. And yeah, I'll I'll probably get dunked on the majority of times we play this out, but the minority of times that it doesn't happen, like the, like the field projects, I'll, I'll be, I won't say I'll be winning tournaments. I will be in contention too. For sure. And look, Matt, I don't, I don't have any reason to argue that but I am taking a different approach. Uh, (laughs) I'm perfectly happy going with Deshaun Watson here. And look, a lot of people, a lot of people have the same uh, mindset as Kyle and I get it. You have to find ways to win tournaments. I believe I can be unique elsewhere uh, and and eat the chalk with Deshaun Watson. And one of the reasons for that is I get the Lamar Jackson low ownership. He has the upside, no question, but he hasn't been the same quarterback. And I don't know if Joe Hayden plays, that's another knock for him. Minka Fitzpatrick's been the best damn ball hawk in the league this year. I just, I, I don't, I, I'm sure the juice is worth the squeeze, but I think Deshaun Watson is still someone that I'm going to have quite a bit of. What are you doing with this high ownership here and low ownership at other players or other position or other players at the position? Easy for me to say. Oh, I'm certainly going to be building 150. So I think approaching Deshaun Watson I'm fine with his ownership as long as I can remain unique somewhere else. And it's every single slate on Thanksgiving specifically we're talking here where we see players that come in with low ownership. If we want to go two or three years ago, I remember there was a narrative with, I believe it was in Xavier Rhodes, like prime of his career. Marvin Jones was going against him on Thanksgiving. Everyone faded Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones has three touchdowns. Last year, nobody was playing David Blau. You remember he was on Thanksgiving. He is a productive day. There were tight ends like Jesper Horstead for the Bears who are literally like creative players out of the Ivy League and all of them come in with low ownership. And we're just talking about different players at each position. So as far as Deshaun Watson goes, if you want to play him, I think it's fine. You're just going to need to approach your lineups in a different manner and try to find some different leverage spots. Get... Steiner says another Thanksgiving only show. I'm out. 
Sorry, brother. But uh, best slate of the year. It's the literally the best slate of the year. I don't know why anyone would be talking main slate yet. I I don't know why. Friday we have shows. We have two main slate shows on Saturday. We have four hours on Sunday. Obviously, we're going to be talking Thanksgiving. Of course, there's a million. There's a millie maker out there. Like, yes, it's the best slate of the year outside of NBA Christmas Day, hands down. So. You're damn right we're talking Thanksgiving today, and I'm pretty stoked about it. Kyle, I think Ben Roethlisberger and Lamar Jackson are one that we should drill down a little bit more. But this game is still on. Everyone, you have all these doomsdayers out there, the doomsayers out there that are, oh, it's canceled. They can't play this game. There's no way. Everything's horrible. They're playing this game unless there's like a legitimate outbreak. They've played the season. They've made it work. And you better believe they do not want to postpone a marquee matchup prime time on Thanksgiving night. So we're going to talk about it because it's going to play. Ben Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson, these teams in 23 matchups since 2010, the total has averaged 41 points. What do you think about Ben Roethlisberger and on the other side, Lamar Jackson? Yeah, so I think this is probably the game I'll be looking to because in the minor, in the minority of fading Watson lineups, like uh, if that's my strategy, obviously I have to go somewhere. This one to me is just vastly more appealing because when I look at like the total and when I look at specifically the quarterback matchup, like these are two quarterbacks I actually want to target. And interestingly, I really wasn't getting a lot of this game. I basically built 20 and 150 lineups in Fantasy Cruncher and I locked Watson and I min one stack just to see what happens when you do that because I think that's what the field it's going to somewhat replicate. It's more like half of the field is going to be playing Watson. I really didn't get many of these Pittsburgh receivers. It was like, you didn't have the money to really get up to your Mark Andrews, to your Chase Claypools. If you were trying to like game stack a Watson. So for me, because of this game is the other way to construct rosters, it's expensive and kind of hard to get to. If you're playing Watson, I think this is a leverage game. I think if you're not playing Watson, this is the game you look at because it's hard to play a lot of pieces from this game it's hard to fit in a chase claypool and mark andrews stack when you're already paying so much in a good spot for sure with watson and you know say fuller stacks so for me this is kind of my leverage spot i like both sides i like both ben roethlisberger stacks and probably simply lamar jackson skinny stacks maybe a double stack with like one of the cheap guys like a really sneak or something so okay that's i'm glad you brought that up and i'll throw it to you matt i think this is one of the reasons why kyle and i are on different pages because I actually found it pretty easy to build around Watson with that stack. Um, just not having a single player on this slate north of 68 or 7,000 in Terry McLaurin outside of Watson, having a couple cheap defenses that I can run out there. Matter of fact, the Texans being one of them, even if you wanted to play Washington, I don't know, maybe Mike McCarthy smashing watermelons with a, with a sledgehammer made an effect on him or had made an impact on him. Uh, But ultimately, I I don't have a trouble building with Watson. But what kind of roster construction are you getting to with someone like Lamar Jackson or Ben Roethlisberger, who are $600 and $800 cheaper, respectively? Yeah, I think it just allows you to jam in some, I guess they're, you'd call them slightly contrarian plays in the context of this slate. But I mean, it's a three-gamer, so when you see 20% ownership, just think about this in the context of a three-game slate. Like, your highest-owned plays are going to be 60-70% owned in some cases. So, like, 20% is not bad in the context of this slate. Ultimately, though, I haven't had much trouble building either. I think there are contrarian plays at just about every single price point. I think, maybe it's a little different than both of you, I kind of think the slate's wide open. So do I. Oh, I mean, look, the tight end position, which we'll get to, 
that that's pretty much a dart throw. Um, unless of course you wanted to go to you have Ebron Dalton Schultz, I think will be, will be up there for sure. But I, I don't know if it's going to be that tough to, to make lineups here. Sure. If you were to go down, you can get like one more quality player in there over someone else. That's maybe in that four or five K range, but you don't have any Devonte Adams, Dalvin cook, Christian McCaffrey, um, Alvin Kamara type players on this, um, on this slate. So it is, it is, it is a strange one. Certainly is Kyle ownership at, at quarterback outside of that. There's really not much Matthew Stafford's playing with that banged up right thumb. I think we can all agree that it very likely impacted him last week in the first ever game that he's been shut out. He's still getting 22%. That is the second most or second highest projected ownership on this slate right now. I'm having trouble believing that Lamar Jackson really comes in at 10%. I think that has to come up. Maybe. I don't know, though. It's like... Uh... Really? I mean, ever like, or at some point, there has to be a breaking point of people just getting sick of getting dunked on for playing yeah, Lamar Jackson. He's not that I, cheap. Yeah, he's still expensive. He's still like, is not just like this incredible value play, obviously. So I would kind of, I, I tend to lean towards the over two on like if that was a, a betting line on his ownership, but I wouldn't go too heavily on the over just because at some point, like, we will all break and decide that I can't keep losing money on Lamar Jackson. I have not reached that point yet. And maybe if, you know, my sentiments reflect the public, he will come in as higher owned. I think for me, the the most interesting plays are the Pittsburgh-Baltimore. In terms of Stafford, if I'm fading Watson, I think he correlates too well with Watson for me to be super excited. I'd rather play the running backs in the game, or like I will still have some Fuller and some Cooks. It's simply that I'm betting on like Deshaun Watson not going nuclear. And the reason I'm like comfortable doing that is right now we have 10 times the ownership. 10 times. Actually, it's a little more. It's like 11 times or something. The ownership on a Watson versus a Ben Roethlisberger. Is he 10 times more likely to be in like the optimal lineup? No, he's probably far more likely. I don't think it is 10 times. So for that reason, I'm comfortable going to like what seems like a bad play in Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I think the ownership is just really high on someone relative to Roethlisberger. If it was more spread out, we were seeing like 30, 20, 10, 10 or something. I'd be fine paying the chalk essentially for Watson. I'm still going to have exposure to his game. It's hard not to like I'm not just Xing that game out. I think for me, it just looks more at the running backs or like secondary stacks, which everything he plays is essentially a secondary stack in this game or in this slate. And Pittsburgh does have a 24 and a half point total. It's tied for the second highest on the slate with Dallas. So there's nothing extraordinarily high here at all. Even, even Houston's at 26.75. I've got to close it out with the position talking ownership here with Matt Gajeski and Kyle Dvorak. Sorry, close out the position, not the show for that guy that was worried that <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He was leaving the show 25 minutes early. Washington and Dallas, Matt. You've got Alex Smith. Did you guys know that 2018 uh, Thanksgiving Day was where he got surgery to repair or to save his leg? And now Thanksgiving Day, two years later, he's going to be starting. It's pretty cool stuff. Anyway. Andy Dalton, 11%. Alex Smith, 5%. What's up, Matt? I mean, Alex Smith has the better matchup, and there's no doubt about it. Neither of these quarterbacks have been particularly good. 
But sometimes this is a situation that you can exploit. Last year, David Blau going against the Chicago Bears. I know I keep talking about David Blau, but it really stood out <laughs> to me. There was a quarterback that was essentially unknown. He's a third string guy, an undrafted free agent, but he came out and he had a productive day. And that's not to say Alex Smith is going to come out and do this, but it's possible. And the matchup is right here in the situation. And you're getting him at no ownership. And he has clear stacking partners in an alpha in Terry McLaurin. And there's not a player on Dallas who's going to be able to cover him. On the other side, the matchup's not quite as good for Andy Dalton. But again, with Andy Dalton, you have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. We talked about this last week. There's like, just because of the receivers he's playing with, a chance he backdoors his way into a, a, a decent game here. Running back position is pretty interesting, too. And, Kyle, I want to start not with Ezekiel Elliott, not with James Conner, because that just drives me insane, but with DeAndre <laughs> Swift. Uh, I saw him on the injury report, by the way. I forget what site it was. That You know how they put in parentheses the, the injury? Instead of concussion, it said brain. And it just made me <laughs> really uncomfortable, right? It's really weird. I just, it, you say, oh, he had a brain injury, sure, but instead of knee or angle, it just said brain. It makes it sound way worse than it is. Not to downplay it, of course, but I don't know. Maybe we could work on fixing that. DeAndre Swift uh, was clearly taking over the majority of backfield touches prior to this concussion that he was oddly diagnosed with, like, what, four ga- days after that game happened? He yeah. was um, he was limited participant in practice yesterday. Kenny Galladay didn't play at all. I think that's an encouraging sign. He still needs to be cleared. But as I said yesterday, if he practices today, I'll consider him in. If he doesn't, I'll consider him out. I really, really love DeAndre Swift against Houston, even though they're, they're, they're dogs at home. There's a lot here that I like. Houston allowing 159.3 rushing yards per game. That's the most of any team in football right now. Uh, yards per carry, they are allowing 5.2 yards per carry to opposing rushers. If he plays and he's cleared, he's not going to be limited because it was a concussion. How do I get away from DeAndre Swift? You don't. I, and that's that's one of the many reasons I'm getting moving away from Watson is because like like you, it's weird. You like, uh, you know, you're probably stacking some Fuller with your Watson, maybe a little bit of Cooks, DeAndre Swift. These guys all coming in around 50 percent ownership. The top half of your lineup is going to be uh, duped thousands of times. Wait till and, you uh, see my pivots, though, fella. This wait wait till you see the bottom he's going to He's going to a min price tight end. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, I think Swift is fine. I actually like Swift because I, I, man, I, I think leverage is like just abound on this lion side, especially if you look at like Swift being able to control time of possession, potentially like running game isn't negatively correlated with the opponent, but I think it can be given the right circumstances. This Houston run defense is absolutely atrocious. As you said, like if we just get one or two, like a turnover or something and a long drive that largely involves Swift, there are a lot of outs for this game, just like hitting the under the game hits the under there's a decent chance that me fading Watson goes okay because, you know, crossing my fingers and praying. But I like Swift because I'm not on this, uh, you know, the the Houston side of things. I think I'd rather run this game as like skinny stacks, and I'm doing that a lot with Swift. I I think you can even go to like Swift lines defense correlation as like the ultimate leverage play. And at that point, I'd probably just like play chalk everywhere else. Okay. Yeah, I know in week 10, DeAndre Swift ran 22 routes, was targeted five times, Matt. So even if they get behind, I'm pretty confident that while Curry and Johnson might get a little bit Adrian Peterson didn't have a run more than four yards last week. Didn't even see the field, I don't think, after midway through the second half or four minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, It got ugly for him. And I I just think if Swift plays, he's going to get all of the work. What are your thoughts here? What would you say, Kyle? 
No, hundred percent. Oh, yeah. He's sick. He's a he's a great player. So I, I'm excited to see what he does. And I, I don't think we see much Peterson or Johnson at this point. No. Matt, do you, are are you on Swift if he's active? And again, shouldn't be limited if he's if he's cleared. Yeah, I'm completely on him for all the reasons you guys mentioned. He's a clear workload. He's the pass catcher. If game script gets out of hand, I mean, he's he's not expensive. His ownership's not even egregious. We're talking 54% on DraftKings. And again, within the context of a three-game slate, 54%, you're going to see that yeah. with some of these players. It's not 70%. So you're, he honestly should probably be owned at a higher rate than that. What do you say about Ezekiel Elliott, Matt, staying with you here? His ownership, so right now, we have to keep in mind, we don't know about Swift, but he's going to be very chalky. And again, for good reason, like Kyle said. Ezekiel Elliott also going to be very chalky. Swift is the third highest projected player right now, highest projected running back. Ezekiel Elliott is fourth highest and third highest or second highest running back at almost 49%. If you were going to draw up a matchup to play Ezekiel Elliott, I think this would be the one. You get Dallas favored. It's not a great matchup, but still, positive game. Game script is good for Elliott. He already has 20 touches in every single game except one this year, and that's considering Dallas has been in a lot of game scripts. You know he has a role in both phases of the game, pass game and run game. Even if Tony Pollard is siphoning off some work, Dallas is still running so many raw plays per game that Ezekiel Elliott is still getting near 20 touches just about every single time he's on the field. Now you get him favored in a game with a decent total, and you're getting him at decent ownership. He's less owned than DeAndre Swift, and the price is not egregious either. I think it sets up to try to jam in Swift and Ezekiel Elliott if you can in these lineups. Do you have any interest, Kyle, in getting away from Ezekiel Elliott, or do you think coming off his first 100-yard game of the season, he's in a really good spot and one where he should excel? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm fine with Zeke. I think he's a good player. I think him being a favorite is kind of so crucial because that's the thing that like uh, that I think has really been difficult for Zeke not getting these 100-yard games. Like Even when his offense was good, they were still losing a lot because their defense was giving up a lot of points. But they were favored in all those games. <laughs> they probably, yeah, they probably were. Uh, they were. I'm I'm going to assume that even though I'm sure they have a very bad against the spread record, that like Vegas is still smarter than me being like, well, they're X and Y against the oh, spread. Sure, I'm gonna, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do agree that I probably blew a lot of a lot of bad games. Now that he actually should per Vegas like be able to run on a lead and the team still plays fast, I think it's a it's a perfect spot for him. There aren't a ton of great spots for Zeke anymore because he profiles as the typical back who sure he has some pass catching upside, but you really love Zeke because you think he can go out and get you 25 for 130 and a touchdown. He doesn't really have that upside when his team is getting buried. I do think with like Andy Dalton back in our center, they're competent. I don't know if I'd say they're good. They're definitely not good, but they're competent. I think that's good enough to to be fine playing Zeke. Another one of the the chalk plays that I'm I'm fine with because I've already I've already you know drawn my line in the sand. I don't feel the need to get too unique elsewhere. Zeke, DeAndre Swift, both three down backs, perfectly like you know even if DeAndre Swift is an underdog, he catches so many passes and gets such an easy matchup. You can play him. Zeke on the other side being a favorite gets the ball a ton. Both chalk running backs that I'm very comfortable just you know eating the eating the chalk on trying to get different elsewhere. Sure. One thing I actually don't hate is if you're playing Ezekiel Elliott um, to run out some J.D. McKissick in these lineups because 
His ownership is very low. And we've pretty much seen that negative game scripts, J.D. McKissick comes alive and Alex Smith is going to lock on to him. If Ezekiel Elliott ends up having a big game, as Kyle mentioned, it's likely that they're playing with the lead as favorites. They're up and Alex Smith has to resort to those short passes, which will result in J.D. McKissick getting a lot of work. His ownership is very low right now. 13% on a three-game slate is nothing. Uh, but I don't like him if it's a neutral or, or positive game script for Washington. So I actually think the pairing with Zeke and McKissick makes some sense. What are you doing with the other running backs here at the position, Matt? We've got no J, uh, J.K. Dobbins. We have no Mark Ingram, both of them out on the COVID-19 list. So there are going to be some value options here. It's just whether or not any of them are worth rostering. Yeah, I think you have to look at Gus Edwards immediately. He's it, the cheapest running back I think that's viable on the entire slate, except maybe if you think Justice Hill comes in and sees a decent amount of work. I don't. I think Justice Hill probably functions as like a change of pace back, but I still think Gus Edwards is going to handle a majority of the work. And right now he's projecting for 20% ownership, 21% ownership. I think that's flat out just inefficient. I'd be shocked if he came in that low with this price point on a team that runs the ball at such a high rate. What about you, Kyle? Any guys down here at lower ownership kind of following our same trends as we do on our normal Wednesday shows that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still going to keep going back to James Conner. I like, like, he's not unknown. No one is hardly unknown. It's just gets a lot of work. Like until last week, his market share numbers were still really good. It was just Pittsburgh happened to be passing on elite, which is strange. I mean, it's probably optimal, but like it's strange because teams typically don't do that. I'm still going to rely on our priors throughout the season of James Conner getting a ton of work. Pittsburgh's offense being pretty good. I think at his price, like he makes a very solid pivot off of the like much more chalky backs. I'll probably still be playing him with like Swift and Elliott in most of my Connor lineups. It's just, am I doing like all three of them or am I fading one of them in specific Connor lineups? Yeah, this Gus Edwards ownership, I, I struggle to think he'll be owned by, you know, about a fifth of the field. He like looks like a, almost like a free square back, essentially. Like Justice Hill does not have a carry on the season. He like, He's hardly even like a factor in this offense. I think he has like a handful of targets, maybe. I know they typically operate a committee, but I'd be like, if tomorrow morning I do feel confident that the ownership on Gus Edwards is going to hold, I will actually be playing a lot of him. And I thought I was going to be fading him. I thought people would treat him as the free square because he's the only running back on this team that has been like active at any point. If he's going to be owned by a fifth of the field, I'm going to be jamming him in. I really thought Gus Edwards would be more popular, but when you rethink it, it kind of makes sense because there's no, again, there's no Devontae Adams. There's no one above that 8K. There's no one in the 9K mark. There's not even anyone above $7,000. So I think it, it kind of mitigates the, the, the fact that you would need to play somebody this cheap. I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers. Actually, do you guys have anything else at running back? And we haven't talked about Gibson at all, have we? I mean, who? we haven't talked about Antonio Gibson, have we? No, we could talk about him, and I think we should hit on James Conner as well. Yeah, I don't I mean, want to give, play James Conner at all. You, you don't want to play talk. James Conner? I'm, I'm excited to, to probably lose money again on James Conner. Like, every week, I'm just like, let's move, lose more money on Marquise Brown and James Conner. <laughs> this is just another one of those weeks. Like, he's, Kyle, your entire lineup from the main slate is on the Thanksgiving slate. You can do your normal stack, Lamar <laughs> Jackson to Marquise Brown to Mark Andrews. James Conner is the run back, and... I know it is already doing a main slate. This is an 11 game slate for me. There are are such good pivots because it's just all of the guys I love losing money on. I'm not going crazy on James Conner. I think he's a fine play. We saw him getting a ton of work early in the season. Like his team's offense is good, like high for the slate in the context of this slate, high implied team total. 
I'm not going absolutely absurd on him, but I think he's a good pivot off of the other chalk. Wouldn't be like fading Ezekiel Elliott outright, just going zero on him and lock button Connor. But I do, I do like getting Connor in my lineups and I have, you know, I have the salary to do so probably. All right. So Matt, final thoughts, James Connor, Antonio Gibson, then we'll move over to wide receivers. I like James Connor too. It's, when we look at his like his game logs and snaps and box scores, it's not that James Conner hasn't been been playing a lot. He certainly has. It's literally Pittsburgh just going with pass heavy passive game scripts, and we haven't seen them do this all year long. This is kind of a new phenomenon for them. So I think it's do we want to buy into this small two three game sample size with Pittsburgh where they are pass heavy? Maybe it's a specific matchup that they isolated as far as you know an exploitation in the opposing team's defense because we have seen them go run heavy with James Conner in the past. When people are completely off of him, I will take a stand on him in some lineups. At wide receiver, you have Terry McLaurin, you have Will Fuller, Deontay Johnson, or as Matt would say, Deontay Johnson. Is that what Chase I say? Clay- <laughs> Chase Do I say Clay- that? What's that? Do I say that? Totally. Jordan Klein producing the show, shaking his head. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um but we also have a promo that gets you $1 NFL Express Weekly Pass. See what I did there? For $1, you can get the Express Weekly NFL subscription by using the promo code Mayflower at checkout. So what does that mean? You get all of our showdown content, all of it, right, for $1. That's You're going to have showdown slates on, on Thursday. You're going to have three of them and a monster one at night. I don't know if we have an actual – I don't know if they've posted it yet – but it's got to be absolutely massive for that Thursday night game between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. You're, you're, you're full. You can't eat anymore. Shit, you can barely walk, right? And all you want to do is sit down and watch some football and get a sweat. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, you're going to be sweating physically, right? You're just going to be sweating out gravy and cranberry sauce. But you're also going to have some monster sweats with our tools because our ownership is included, our player projections, the top players tool, which takes the probabilities into account that they'll be the number one finishing player, the top two through six, top two through five, if you're playing on FanDuel. And for other slates, main slates, not just showdown, we have rankings, we have the top uh, we have the top stack, express tool, express lineup builder. I don't need to sell you on this anymore. It's a dollar. Go use the promo code Mayflower at checkout. Uh, and we'll see you over there. Jump in the premium Slack chat as well. And if you have any questions, my DMs are open. I'm happy to answer them for you. All right, guys, wide receiver, Matt, Terry McLaurin against Dallas. I saw a tweet yesterday, and I actually retweeted it, that this guy in his first 24 games has more yards 
than Jerry Rice did in those games, has more yards than uh, Terrell Owens did in those games, more yards than Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, and his quarterbacks have been Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Kyle Allen, and Alex Smith. That's remarkable. Yeah, man, I wasn't sure if you were going to qualify that with the quarterbacks. I was really hoping you I tweeted that with the qualification of the quarterbacks, as a matter of fact. Man, I'm really glad you did, because I think that is important, too. Terry McLaurin, he's just downright the best alpha on the slate. And I don't see a reason to fade him. Right now, his ownership is, I mean, it's a three-game slate. You don't have to correlate every single position in your lineup. I mean, you can if you want to play Alex Smith. But I'm more than comfortable playing Terry McLaurin as a one-off. I'm more than comfortable correlating him with, like, Zeke on the other side. He's 35% owned. I think he's easily has the best target share numbers outside of maybe Deontay Dante Johnson, however you, you guys say his name. <laughs> well, so, now yeah. people are saying that I call Korean Johnson Korean Johnson. Well, no, you just said it wrong twice anyways. How is it? You say it like Steve Curryon. It's Carryon, as far as I know. Like Carryon. Like carry on. Like if you said the word carry and the word on. Carryon Johnson? And I don't no, the why? No. You're saying Kerr, like Steve Kerr. It's care. Like, I care about you. Carry on. Carry on, Johnson? As far as I know. That's how I've heard on the broadcast. Okay, but I don't say Korean Johnson. I can tell you that much. Korean Johnson (laughs) is closer to what you say than is accurate, I believe. Curry on Johnson is what I'd say. Not Korean Johnson. I think they're just trying trying to phonetically spell it in a way that, uh, like, illuminates what is going on. And they're they're right. You you definitely say it close to Korean than is correct in my opinion. So I it's think. Curry on. No, it's carry on. Like carry on, <laughs> no, mate. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. All right. I was like, I was about to quit the show. I'm like, all right. So it's Deontay Johnson oh. and Carry on Johnson. I don't just you know, <laughs> I've been covering I've been covering Deontay Johnson since his college days at Toledo too. So it's literally like six years of me pronouncing this dude's name wrong. I guess. <laughs> You know, I guess I'm in the same boat. Hey, you want to get your name spelled right? Be a second round draft pick and do something with yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally my, totally my fault. All right, um, Matt. What? Else? I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, I had to. I, I had to to get in on that because I don't know who it was, but he's like, how can Laffy talk shit on him for saying it wasn't that? just one person? It was oh yeah, it's people. a couple of them, which is funny because like I would think it'd be with with a player that. I, I can't. I don't remember saying his name more than twice all season long. To be honest with you, yeah. To be fair, we don't have a lot of practice reps saying his name. Yeah, I don't remember saying it, but I'm sure I did yesterday. Go ahead, Matt. Who was I talking about? Deontay. I think Johnson. we were on Deontay. <laughs> well, I, I actually mean, don't know. Was it? Oh, I, I remember. We were talking about we were talking about Terry McLaurin, and from a target share perspective, I don't think anyone else on this slate competes with him outside of maybe. Deontay Johnson, if you want to isolate his small sample sizes, they're tough because he's been healthy in so few games. But when he is healthy, he's seen at least 10 targets in every single one. He's still a little fluky, though, because he has competition on his team in Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. With Deontay, excuse me, with Terry McLaurin, there's none of that. Okay. Kyle, the wide receiver position for Pittsburgh is a little bit muddied right now because, well, Tomlin said – that Joe Hayden and Juju Smith-Schuster's participation in Wednesday, so today's practice, will give us a much clearer idea of whether or not they play. Juju Smith-Schuster tripped over a penalty marker and couldn't get back on the field. Now, he said if he had to and if it was do or die, he would have played. 
But I don't know. Does this stuff swell up? Does it get worse? Are you banged up? I'm assuming now that he plays, he was limited yesterday, but I think we still have to wait on participation here. Joe Hayden and Juju are pretty big deals. If Juju sits, then you know that like, cause how many alphas are already on that team? Matt uses the term alpha for McLaren. Like all of those guys could be a number one on some team in this league. I honestly believe that if Juju sits, you have Johnson and you have Chase Claypool, even in a tough matchup, their, their target share, you have to think, is going to be huge. And maybe Ray Ray McLeod gets like a, 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 a shovel pass or something or an end around. Dude, they love jet sweeps to Ray Ray McLeod. I know. It is. I know. They, they love it. And they, they're not He's bad. I remember the, yeah, I was going to say, they're not bad. It's just, man, they love doing that. Yeah, I would be like, I'd probably be like lock buttoning Deontay Johns. I'd be, I'd at least say this. I would min one Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool in all of my lineups. And I would like very strongly consider like, just jamming in my Ben Roethlisberger stacks because that's my only concern right now with my Roethlisberger stacks is that while I like them, like I do understand that a lot of my Ben Roethlisberger stacks are going to die because they don't have the right combination. So I know that even though, you know, I might get the Ben Roethlisberger stack, right. Say that does happen. I'm not guaranteeing that I'm pushing all those lineups through the top because if Johnson goes out, gets injured like he always does or whatever, if I play Juju and he goes out and steps on a flag or just doesn't play well, because that's happened to Juju specifically a lot, like I know those lineups are kind of dead. So I feel less confident with my, with my Ben Rosberger stacks. If I can gain that confidence by ruling out all of Juju Smith-Schuster's targets, I'd probably be just playing so much of these guys. Like you guys playing Watson can be fairly confident that you will be picking the right stacks. Like the market share numbers are fairly evenly split between Fuller and Cook. So you are likely to get your decisions right when you, when your stack hits, I will be less likely, but if that flips with Juju out, I'd be just jamming in these guys Still not super excited about Juju. It's kind of been Juju mixing in every now and then. And then Chase Claypool scoring a ton of touchdowns and Deontay Johnson just seeing so much work. So for me, he still, even if he is healthy, kind of shuffles to the back of my Rosberger lineups, but I will have some of them. You know what's crazy? Listen to this. The Steelers have been so good. And sure, they've had some a couple easy matches, but they've been good, all right? They've been so good that if Baltimore loses tomorrow, they're out of the division race in week 12. Dang. That's, That's crazy. crazy, right? Oh, and on the on the Juju thing, uh, yeah, you, you were right. The broadcast did say that he could have come back in, and then they cut to a shot of him, like, limping as if he has one leg. I saw like, that. there was no way he was coming back in. Like, I didn't he could still play, but, like, they were like, yeah, you know, the sideline says he could play if, uh, you know, the game was close. They were killing Jacksonville, so he didn't need to. There's no way he was going back in. He was, like, he was barely able to walk. It was bad. At least it seemed bad. And you know what? As he limped off the, the field, as it happened, he looked pissed off. Like he knew he was injured. So, look, we'll see. Just everybody pay close attention to DeAndre Swift to, to um because you might have to play Curry and Johnson otherwise, uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster and a few of these other guys. Uh, again, I'll be paying attention to the Joe Hayden injury as well, just because when it comes to Lamar Jackson, we need any help we can get at this point. Matt, the value is where it gets interesting. We really need to dig into this because I think if you're playing Watson, if you're playing Fuller and Cooks, uh, and if you're playing or McLaurin and, and some of these higher on more expensive players, this is where we're going to have to say, where can I go that's cheaper, that's different, that's lower owned, but also has a ceiling? I'll throw a couple of names out out there to you and feel free to run with it or anyone you want to talk about. Michael Gallup is $3,500. Des Bryant, uh, in his first game where he actually got action, was targeted five times. Doesn't mean I like or hate any of these guys. Um, 
Willie Sneed's getting 1% ownership. Marquise Brown has been terrible. So these are the type of guys we're talking about. And that's why Brandon Cooks is so popular because he's basically the same price as Marcus Brown, $600 difference. And he's been way more effective this year. Floor's yours. I think if I'm looking to this range, someone I do like is Michael Gallup. And there's, you know, a lot of players in this range that aren't seeing the field a ton. Des Bryant, there's always the chance his role with the offense increases. I know we saw the targets, but he's still not on the field as much as someone like Marquise Brown. So do those targets flip? I don't know. It's very possible. With some of the other value players you mentioned, I think it's it's similar, but one person we know is going to be on the field the majority of those snaps is Michael Gallup, and he's not coming in with any ownership, partially because Andy Dalton's been dreadful, so it's deserved, but if you're looking to punt someone down there, I think he is the safest play. How about you, Kyle? Cheap punts or low-owned players that might not be punts, might not be cheap, that can make us different at wide receiver. I think this is a great spot to get different because I don't know where else you're going to do it and feel even remotely confident. Yeah, I really like that Michael Gallup call. Ever since we lost Dak Prescott, this team has pretty much like rotated their top receivers in every single week. And uh, like the ownership versus the price, like he just seems like he'd be a decent value. It's just that in the median, he probably doesn't have a great game. But I think his ceiling is still like going out. We saw it was like two weeks ago. I think he got like 10 or 10 or 12 targets or something. It's not like we have a locked-in number one receiver. And even though I would argue we definitely have two receivers that should see more targets than him, they have a very tenuous grip on the actual amount of targets they'll see. And he, like, if they see even close to the same amount of targets, he will smash them in air yards. So in terms of his potential volume, I still think it's largely unchanged in the context of this offense. It's just been that his quarterbacks have been, like, very difficult in unlocking that volume or unlocking, like, the potential of that volume. Do I think Andy Dalton has a great shot to be accurate on multiple deep passes? No, but at his ownership versus his price, like he will annihilate his price if he catches two long balls and he won't be owned. It'd be one thing if he was like the chalk, uh, like, you know, the chalk points per dollar play. He's not even that. So I, I'm just going to double down the Michael Gallup call. His price, his ownership all fall in line with someone who will win tournaments this week. Absolutely. Hey, one more thing, guys. If Juju sits, right, if Juju ends up not playing, what is what is the alternative there? Because he runs a lot out of the out of the slot, like, do they just move everybody around and get James Washington in a lot more? If that's the case, he's minimum salary. Yeah, I think James Washington would uh, not be like a great play. I still think, especially people, it really depends on like what the public does with it, right? If people are like, well, like I think maybe Gus Edwards is kind of the good example of people don't seem to find the need to get to value. Maybe that's again why Michael Gallup actually is going to be low owned is people could even recognize that he's a good value play. It just wouldn't really matter because like you don't need value on this slate necessarily. So I think James Washington would be fine. I'd probably still like Gallup over him just because we like have seen from Gallup that he is able to beat out his teammates in terms of targets in like in spurts. It's not very often, but it can happen. I would bet heavily against James Washington beating out Chase Claypool for targets. He'd mostly come in as like the secondary piece in my, in my Pittsburgh stacks. Hey Matt, you're not going to like this one, but, uh, I think Danny Amendola is viable too. He's very cheap. And if Stafford's actually dealing with that, th that, that banged up thumb, it's more than just a banged up thumb. He's in some trouble there. Uh, he might keep this to more short intermediate routes. Danny Amendola is super cheap. And you want to know what it is? I'm going to tell you completely anecdotal. Mm -hmm. It's Thanksgiving. And there's going to be an Danny Amendola type player that breaks the entire slate. So I'm rolling with Danny Amendola here. Uh, do I love it? No, but he's going to be out there on the field. Kenny Galladay is almost certainly not going to play. Amendola was limited uh, yesterday, but I'm assuming he's going to play. Uh, if he plays, 
I think you see his, his target share increase a little bit. And if he sees six or seven targets against Houston, another bad defense, I'm on board. Do you have anybody else at wide receiver that – and by the way, when I talk about someone like him, this is absolutely strictly getting cheap, that no one's playing them, trying to be different, and having chalk everywhere else, maybe this will open things up. Anything else at wide receiver? I don't hate Danny Amendola for the reasons you mentioned. He's going to be on the field a lot for a team throwing the ball. There's a lot of chatter on Kiki Kuti this week. I want to talk about his situation a little bit with Houston, and it's not because I particularly like him, but I think people are just going to blindly assume that Kiki Kuti starts rolling into the slide and overtakes Randall Cobb's role. It's looking like Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills are both going to miss this game. Kenny Stills, excuse me, Kiki Kuti did come in and play a significant role for Houston, However, they also opted to increase their usage of 12 personnel. So it's not like Kiki Kuti's coming on the field and playing 100% of snaps. They use three tight ends in Houston, and they use Jordan Aikens a lot out of the slot as well. Rather than making any of them standout plays in this offense, I think it kind of hurts them all. Could you see one of them pop up for a big game and a touchdown? At tight end, especially I'm willing to take on someone like this. But if we're going to play Kiki Kuti at 3.4K or whatever he is, and he's going to run a route on 50% of the dropbacks, I just don't think that's a solid play in the context of this slate where we're not chasing value like that. How much do you think we really need from one of these cheap guys, Kyle? Like on a three-game slate, how much and, – and by the way, on a three-game slate where the game totals are 51, 46, and 45, the reason I talk about a possession guy or you know a slot guy like Amandola is because if he gives you 10 fantasy points – I think it could actually contribute more towards helping than hurting you, assuming things don't go insane. What do you think you need from these cheap guys, like under 4K? So I think it's, it. I mean, obviously, this is a stupid answer. I was going to say it depends on how the slate plays out. Obviously, that's the case. I think maybe the only interesting thing is that if you're playing these cheap guys, like like you were talking about earlier, you don't like you're not drawing dead to get all the top studs in. So they do kind of need to be competitive with the like 4.5 K range, because I'm assuming if you're playing some of the cheap guys, you're just going to be leaving a little bit more salary on the table. So I would say maybe like you probably do need to get north of like 10 or 12. And I think, you know, touchdowns kind of skew your range of outcomes anyways. Like one touchdown catch can be worth 10 plus points. If you get a ton of your opponents, it can be like 13. So I do think maybe they actually need to like have a reasonable game simply because going down and getting nine points from Danny Amendola didn't unlock getting Devontae Adams or Dalvin Cook on this slate. It didn't do a ton for the rest of your lineup. So maybe you need a little bit more, but like, I think Amendola and Gallup specifically, I kind of agree with Matt. I'm not on this geeky cute thing. I think like uh, Amendola and a Gallup can get you that 12, that 14 points. And at that point it does, you know, it gives, gives you a little help in terms of the salary. It's just not, anything crazy so you probably do need them to outscore the four to five k range or at least come close to outscoring them no doubt and for what it's worth i like michael gallup considerably more than i like uh danny amandola but we're trying to leave no stone unturned for a three-game slate and make sure we hit on everything that's someone that might mix it up a little bit too matt tight ends um what the hell are we doing at tight end oh dude this is my favorite position to talk about you remember the one and only jesper horstead last year Nope. Oh, man, he caught a touchdown for the Bears. <laughs> I remember Jethro Horstead. The Bears nope. last year, the Bears had like 17 tight end injuries, and they were literally on like their seventh tight end. And this dude, I can't remember where he went to school. He's an Ivy League Ivy Leaguer, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, moving it forward to this slate, we're not going to have a situation like that. I We do have a decision to make here because Mark Andrews, while he's not a Travis Kelsey-level tight end, he's not a George Kittle-level tight end, I do think he is a cut above the other tight ends we have available to us on this slate. 
So overall, do you decide to go up and eat Mark Andrews or are you just going to go all the way down and punt? One guy that's interesting in this middle range, I think, is Eric Ebron, who is being used a little more like a wide receiver in this offense. And this is something we didn't talk about, but if Juju Smith-Schuster is out, Eric Ebron has the second most slot routes on this team. He's not going to just walk into Juju's role, but do they use him a little more in the slot? It's certainly possible. And his target share has risen over the last couple of weeks, partially due to, you know, Pittsburgh's taking a pass heavy approach. I typically am not trying to target tight ends in this mid price range, like 4.1 K, but Eric Ebron stands out to me, not only from a price perspective, but an ownership perspective too, where if we're just looking at the main tight ends on this slate, he's sub 6% ownership. Eric Ebron, Kyle, is running 40-plus routes per game over the last three weeks. And like Matt said, they have gone pass-heavy. They have resorted to a pass-heavy attack. But the only game where they actually needed to do that was against Dallas, right? Against Cincinnati. Was it necessary? No, it just worked. Against Jacksonville. No, it wasn't necessary. It just worked. So maybe it works again this week, and Eric Ebron continues to run a shit ton of routes against the Ravens. Yeah, I think, like you said, it it really has been like skewed what we've seen from Pittsburgh because they have just interestingly chosen to like, it's kind of like the the Chiefs have been doing, especially like in that game versus the Jets, where they mauled the Jets and kept running until pretty late in the game. Like they've kind of been taking that same approach and it makes sense. Like passing is just wildly more efficient at like as a method of moving the ball forward than running is. Do they keep it up this game? I really don't know. It's a very small sample we have on them doing this. But do I think that Eric Ebron, even if they don't, like he's going to play most, he's going to play every passing down route or every passing down snap for this team. And he's incredibly low owned. He has, I believe, four touchdowns on the year. And he's like historically been a pretty good touchdown producer relative to his overall volume. So I think Ebron as like just a, not a punt play, but in terms of ownership, I guess, a quote punt play is a guy people aren't going to be going to. He probably has more touchdown equity than everyone outside of like Hawkinson Andrews, potentially. I mean, I guess you could argue Aikens, but even Aikens split snaps with like Pharaoh Brown, I think, and Darren Bell. So I think if you're looking at just trying to pick the random touchdown, Ebron is a great bet at that at low ownership. Guys, we just crossed the 600, uh, uh, 600 mark or threshold for concurrent viewers. That is awesome for a Wednesday morning Thanksgiving three game slate. So You guys are awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hit that thumbs up while you're in here and subscribe to the channel if you like and appreciate what we do. Top stacks for the slate. Well, wait, one more thing. We're doing a giveaway, $1,000 and uh, Awesome O Plus. All access, everything included, annual pass, $1,000 value. All you have to do is go check out the pinned tweet. I didn't want to forget that because uh, I'd be doing you guys a disservice. $1,000 annual platinum pass. All you have to do is guess... If Lamar Jackson or Ben Roethlisberger has more passing yards, whoever gets that right will be one of you will be randomly selected to get the thousand dollar value awesome plus platinum pass for the entire calendar year. It's awesome. No reason not to throw your hat in the ring there. Just do it. Seriously, just all you have to do is put the name in, reply to it, and then follow the awesome accounts and like the tweet. That's all you have to do. Make sure to like it by or to, to get your reply in before tomorrow's late uh, primetime game. So you do it takes 10 seconds max. And I would go with Roethlisberger to be fair. All right, fellas, we have top stacks, Matt. There's only six teams on the slate. I, I know that, that Deshaun Watson and company are going to be uber chalky. Do you think there's any merit to saying, Hey, I'm going to stack Watson here. Right. And I'm going to go with the, the Houston stack 
but I'm going to get different with, I don't know, a, I don't know if there are any other good ways to get different, as a matter of fact, unless you're talking about Kike QT. You're talking about just the individual Houston stack? Yeah, what I'm saying is that with the individual Houston stack, Randall Cobb is out, right? So you can't go to somebody like him. But the question was, can you stack Houston by still getting Watson, but then being different with pass catchers? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you get to, to one of the tight ends, Fells or Aikens. Like maybe there's a different way to do it. Or if you're eating Watson chalk, do you have to eat the wide receiver chalk too? That's my question. You you're eating. I mean? You're eating at least one of them at the you have very to, least. Yes, you have to. At the very least, you have to play at least one of them. I'd probably be trying to play both outside of large, large field tournaments. If you are playing the Millie Maker, I think the door is open to someone like Jordan Aikens over someone like Kiki Kuti. You're giving up a lot in opportunity cost by rostering someone like Kiki Kuti. There's plenty of strong wide receivers on this slate. There's one or two maybe good tight ends. So playing Jordan Akins, he's the sto- he's near the stone min at tight end. I think that's a more viable strategy in the long run rather than playing Kuti over someone, let's say like, you know, even Amari Cooper, if he's your third receiver or Brandon Cooks in the same lineup or Terry McLaurin. You're giving up a lot for rostering Kuti. Kyle. The top stack tool at awesome.com, we love referencing it because, well, it's awesome and it gives us a really good idea of what ownership looks like, but also what be like what type of leverage you can get on some of these and, and pivots. Houston stack, absurdly popular. Detroit won't be. Washington won't be. Pittsburgh stack won't be. Like outside of that, what stack is your favorite looking to? from a team and or game. And let me say, I don't think you need the game stack on a three game slate. Someone that's much smarter than myself, much more successful and better DFS player uh, told me a way that, that he constructs lineups on short slates. And I'm not going to give it all away, but I can say that game stacks are not always necessary for a three game slate for obvious reasons. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I'm going to be putting like all of my eggs in like, I- I'd be very surprised if I ran like, double stack, double bring back, which I think is like viable or like triple stack, you know, one bring back or two bring back. I think that's like viable on a large main slate, but on this slate, I do think like you can kind of narrow down your options to, you can still double stack. I don't think it's bad, but I I don't know if I'd be going as crazy on one individual game because your opportunity cost is like Terry McLaurin goes off. You have probably just missed the boat on winning a tournament. It's very difficult to see like all of one team outscoring heavy, like, heavy favorite Terry McLaurin or, you know, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, whereas on the actual main slate, that correlation can help you get in the ballpark of just like the right lineup. You essentially like your opportunity cost is sort of reduced or at least it's spread out. So I I agree. I wouldn't be going quite as heavy on stacking. I think even like interestingly negative correlation in the large field tournaments could be like the opposite of stacking essentially could be like an advantage. If I'm playing Terry McLaurin, do I really care that like, like his, offense you know throws two or three interceptions take some sacks no so i don't mind playing like wide receiver versus defense on this slate or even like double running back like gus edwards james connor just because even though certainly negatively correlated outcomes that's not always the case but it will be fairly unique so i kind of agree that on this slate the the high correlation plays i'm not quite as keen on and negative correlation plays actually coming in the fray like even on the main slate the past two weeks the millie maker has featured defense versus opposing uh pass catcher so i kind of like that uh that approach, especially in the, I believe it's the middle game of the week or of the, of the slate is both defenses in Dallas is terrible, but they get to face like Alex Smith and on the other side, Washington actually has like a, a very sick defense. I like wide receiver versus defense in those spots. 
William Westry with the super chat says, great content like always. Let's get the money. Thanks, William. And from Sasquatch says, love the show, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Matt, close us out here. Any final thoughts on stacks, game stacks, or strategy heading into this three-game Thanksgiving slate? You don't have to worry as much about negative correlations. I mean, you're naturally going to run into some just with the context of the slate. I, I do think game stacks can be worthwhile in a situation just because if a game goes over the total like typically where I'm trying to avoid the full game stacks is when we have a full slate and we have large totals because when you you know you double stack a game and a quarterback goes off you're still likely looking at that secondary stack maybe being outscored by someone else on the slate for example in the context of this slate if you're playing the millie maker and one of these games goes absolutely bananas over the total that secondary receiver could easily outscore someone else if the other games just hit their total in a modest way. So it's it's something I'm certainly considering in large field tournaments. It's not something I'm forcing in just because you're naturally going to walk into some, some negative correlation on your lineups anyway. As far as ownership, I think you should definitely be thinking about this in the context of a three-game slate. Like a 50% owned player is not the same as a 50% owned player on the main slate. So we don't often deal with these three-gamers but the ownership is a little nuanced. It is. And as you said, you'll naturally walk into negative correlation. You're also going to walk into naturally walk into uh, to game stacks. Uh, it's just going to happen. So what I'm saying is don't feel the need to force everyone in as a game stack where you have an 11 or 12 game slate. The, the likelihood that one of those games really pops off is a lot higher than three games, two of which have a total of 46 or less uh, with you know, not great offenses or not great or, or really good defenses. So, you know, I don't, it's not a steadfast or hard and fast rule by any means, but there's definitely uh there's definitely less necessity to try and jam things in and set those rules on cruncher that you would be for a larger slate. All right, Kyle, final thoughts. What do you have to say here as we go into Thanksgiving? Well, I, I think unfortunately one of two of us are going to come back very disappointed next week, and one of us or or one of us and the other way around, vice versa, are going to be very excited because we are on opposite sides of the spectrum. So good luck to you guys taking an opposite approach, and uh, you know enjoy the Thanksgiving, everyone. Be safe, you know, have a good time. Yeah, you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks again, William, for the second super chat. It says TV fund. I forgot. Um, <laughs> guys, we'll see you back here tomorrow at ten thirty Eastern time. Two straight hours of content. Don't You don't need to be anywhere else. Come here at 10.30 in the morning on the East Coast. We got you covered. It's going to be awesome. We're breaking everything down even further. If you missed the first look show yesterday, check that out as well. We took a different angle. Uh, this one, if you missed it, you can start from the beginning. You can wait till it posts on our YouTube channel, or you can listen to it in podcast form on any platform out there. If you guys aren't with us tomorrow, if you're traveling, be safe. Have a great Thanksgiving. For those of you that will be with us, I'm not going to say anything because we'll see you back here bright and early in the a.m. See you guys. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.